welcome to Seves. How has your week been? It's another Sunday and we are so glad that you've invited us into your homes. Thank you for joining us. We always thrilled to come and join you and for you to join us um, every Sunday evening for um, God's Word and time of worship. Um, I want to thank everyone who's been joining you know, very regularly. I want to say, may Lord bless you. I hope you're being blessed by what you're hearing. And I hope you share with others what you're hearing. Amen. So March is International Women's History Month. And this month, um, as I was reflecting, I, I felt it'd be a great time to share a few things about um, the women of the Bible. So we're going to be looking at a few things, that, a few principles that we can learn from the women who were documented, whose lives were documented um, in the Bible. What can we learn from their lives, from their conduct, uh, from their attitude and their disposition, their leadership? Um, so I, I felt much would just be a perfect time to to glean and and you know we're just coming in for for month of relationships. I think this is just a nice bridge before we go into other things this year. So we're going to be discussing the four Sundays in March, we're going to be discussing different things um, about, uh, you know, women, the principles that they lived by, God's principles and how he used them, the things he walked out in their lives. So um, I am trusting that we will be blessed by this. It's also Mother's Day next Sunday. So we're going to just, I mean, it's just perfect. We're just going to be continuing to share um, things about women um, and how we can begin to uh, move forward and move into the next level, move into what God has prepared for us, for us to begin to become or to become the woman or the women that God is building for such a time as this. So today we are going to be looking at leadership and influence, leadership and influence. I think it is an interesting um, topic. We're going to be, you know, there's some people who argue that a woman's place is not in leadership. Um, a woman's place is not to be in any, you know, in a, in a position of authority. And things that I not quite can quite understand it, but I want to say that almost every woman is in leadership. So in your home, you are part of the leadership of your home. Um, for your children, you are a leader in their eyes. Uh, for many of us at work, we are we we have to lead in certain things. Um, wherever it is, you have responsibility. You are a leader. So I think there are, num there are a number of things we can learn. And today we will be looking at two women in the Bible um, who were in positions of authority and how they used those positions to um, fulfill God's purpose for their lives and for the people of Israel. Amen. So let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you because the entrance of your word gives light. And because your words are spirits and they are life. Father, as we understand, as we hear, as we listen, we ask, Lord God, that you would help us. We ask for grace to understand. 
we ask you, Lord God, to take us in, in deeper, Father. Father, let your words come with power. Let your words challenge our mindsets, challenge the things we think that we know. Father, Lord God, I yield my members to you, Lord, and I say, Father, speak expressly in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So we're going to be, you know, you might have already guessed, we're going to be looking at Deborah, the example of Deborah and the example of Esther. Amen. So let's go to Judges chapter 4. Judges chapter 4. Um, as we all know, Judges are very interesting because, you know, the, the Israelites will do something and, and um, a judge will arise and deliver them from the enemies and then they will sink back into the depths and cry out to God and God would raise somebody and the person would deliver them again and then they would sink back again. So at this time, these are lights. Let's read from Judges chapter 4 and we'll start from verse 1. Again, these were lights did evil in the eyes of the Lord now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Caesarea, the commander of his army, was based in Harod Sheth, Hagoim. Because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron, and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidot, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah. Sorry, she held, yeah, she held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I would lead Caesarea, the commander of Jabin's army, and his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and give him into your hands. And Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I will go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Caesarea into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. Amen. So we see a woman who was a prophet, who was a judge, who was a wife. And later we will see in, in chapter 5 that she was also a mother. Because there she says, I arose as a mother in Israel. So I would say mother, two-prong. Because one, mother, physical mother to children. Two, mother, leader. So those were the two ways, or those were the, the, the number of hats Deborah was wearing. Just one woman. I have to say she was an amazing woman because she, just one woman, was wife, mother, prophet, judge. And we can see with the way she led just these few verses that we have read, how she exhibited these qualities. One is they express, explain who she was. 
She was a judge, so the Israelites used to come to her and um, she used to settle their disputes. So she was, she was just like, she was, she was the leader. She was the one people used to go to with their problems. And then she called for, she called for Barak, who was the leader of the army of Israel. And she prophesied and told him, this is what God wants you to do. But unfortunately, Barak, well, I would say he wasn't confident in his own self. I don't know if it was just he not being confident or he wanting that spiritual backing with him. So he said, if you go with me, I'll go. And what did she say? She said, that's fine. I will go with you. There's something, I, you know, for me that stood out, stood out. And it was the competence. Deborah was competent. You know, if you don't have a competent, a competent leader, you will not have confidence in your leader. You won't put your trust in the leader. Like so many leaders of the country. I mean, some things will happen. You'll be like, I know he's not going to do anything. I know nothing is going to change. So it shows no competence. But because Deborah was a competent leader, he's, and even though she was a woman, he said, if you're not going with me, I won't go. Even though he was a general, he was a warrior. But he saw that she was competent in what she was doing. She knew what she was about. She knew and she had the confidence to carry it. And he said, if you don't go with me, I will not go. So the number of things, the number of things I want us to look at in, in Deborah's style, outside her style of leadership. And I think these things will help us how we lead at home, how we lead at work, how we lead in church, how we do ministry. When women lead, we have to lead with a difference. It's a bit different from how men lead. Now, men are born leaders. Men are, I mean, most men are born with um, characteristics of a leader. For them, it comes naturally. For women, not as much. If we decide to lead like a man, we would make a lot of mistakes. We would have a lot of hurdles to cross. We wouldn't be able to do it because we are not men. We are women. So we have to lead different. And as I said before, you know, many of us will say, well, I'm, I'm just a housewife. I don't lead. You do lead. You are a leader in your home. So these things, uh, we're going to point out a few things from Deborah's style would help us um, learn um, how to lead. And for many of us, maybe we're not leaders now, but we may be leaders tomorrow. For many of us, we are leaders in training. So I think these are a number of things that can help us. So one is know your limitations. Know your limitations. For every woman, because of how we are designed, we are designed to be under authority. We are designed to be under authority. So because of how we are designed, we have to be under authority at each point. So that is one. Two, we must know what we can do and what we can do. We have to know our limitations. Deborah didn't say, oh, well, I am the judge. We see many judges, you know, in Israel, like Gideon. Gideon led the battle himself against the Midianites. We see so many other judges like Samson. They were at the forefront. But Deborah didn't say, oh, I'm the judge, so I'm also the warrior. I'm also the, oh yeah, give me my horse. Let me go and lead these people into battle. No. 
She knew her place and she knew her limitations. Her own was to speak. Her own was to say what God is saying. She knew her place and she knew her limitations. And these are some of the mistakes women make when they go into leadership positions. They don't know their, their um, boundaries. You know, you want to do it. You know, you want to struggle with men. You want to, you will not be able to um, achieve much if you have that disposition. You have to know your limitations. You have to know when you need somebody else to step in. You have to know when you need somebody else to do what you can do. Sometimes you might even need somebody else to be the face of whatever it is you're leading, especially a man. You might need that. You may need that. I'm not saying women cannot be the face. All I'm trying to emphasize is there is division of labor and you need to know your limitations. And this cuts across board, even at work. Even, there are things that you can do and there are things you can't do. So there, there, there are sorts of, for instance, if you work in a bank, there are some loans or some things that you can sign up on. There are others that your manager has to sign up on. There are others that your regional manager has to sign up on. So it is important for you to know this is where my own limitation is. And this is where somebody else needs to take over. Or this is my own part in the job. This is somebody else's part in the job. So it's important that you're in tune with God, what exactly, what the exact thing God wants you to do, the part he wants you to play, and you stay within your limits. Amen. Amen. The second thing I wanted to point out was her ability to multitask. So we see from here that she was a wife. She was a wife of someone. She wasn't just you know, a loose cannon. She was somebody's wife. So she had her role as the wife of Lapidot. She was also a judge. So she had time to sit and to um, preside over the issues that people were coming to, you know, bring people used to bring their, their problems and their disputes. And she had the time to sit over them. At the same time, she was a prophet and she was able to go to war with back. So she also had that and she was a mother. So she had different hearts and many women, many of us, we wear different hearts. Many of us are wife, mother, career woman, homemaker, cleaner, baker, cook. Um, so many of us do other things. So many of us are in ministry. So many of us are business women as well. There's so many things. So we wear so many hearts and it takes a special grace to be able to juggle, juggle all those balls and a drop so it takes a special grace to do it and i can tell you that every woman has an inherent ability to be able to give each thing you know attention to be able to multitask however there are things that are more important than others which is why we have to learn how to delegate which is why we have to learn, goes back to knowing your limitations, which, you know, which is why we have to learn to, to um, outsource, you know. So for women in, especially for us at home, for us to remain sane and not to malfunction, we may need to delegate, um, outsource, um, postpone things and try not to put too much pressure on ourselves. Amen and amen. The other thing was networking. I mean, we've talked about this. So she networked with, with um, Barak to be able to 
for, you know, for this battle to be successful, to be successfully fought and for God to be able to win this victory. So it's important as women who are leaders to network, network. The three of these things we've mentioned are connected, knowing your boundaries as well. So you know what you can do. You know when to bring somebody else in to help you. Sometimes a man, sometimes it's another woman. You know, oh, I'm good at this. Oh, there's somebody else who's good at this. Let me call this person to come and handle this and handle that. You know, recently there has been a, a sort of a story in the news um, with a lady who used to um, cook um, for people. And one of, the re one of the reasons people gave to why, you know, at some point or recently she's had a few issues was because many people said, she used to do a lot of things by herself, you know, she would cook, she would deliver the food, she would do this, she would do that. She was involved in so many things. So it's important for us to know when to network with others to help us to make our task easier. Amen and amen. And the other thing, the last thing I want to say from the life of Deborah is affirming, honoring and celebrating others. When we are in leadership or in positions of authority, it's very, very important that we affirm people who work with us, that we celebrate others. If we go to Judges chapter 5, and you can read this at your own convenience, Judges chapter 5, it was the song of Deborah. And I want you to look at how she celebrated others. She celebrated the warriors. She celebrated those who went out to fight. She celebrated the princes. She celebrated all because she knew there's no way I could have done this by myself. There's no way it was just me. You know, she didn't say, oh, I'm the one. If not for me, I gave the word. And, you know, it is important that we celebrate others. We celebrate our husbands. We celebrate our children. We celebrate those who help us at home. We celebrate anyone who contributes to our success. We should take our time to celebrate them. It makes us better leaders it makes uh, people who work with us happier, more confident, more comfortable, willing to work with us going forward. So I think these are the four things I wanted us to learn from. Leadership style of Deborah, and I think it would help us going forward for those of us who are leaders and those of us who are leaders in training. Amen. Amen. So the other thing I want, the second um passage I want us to read is from Esther. I want us to look at Esther and for Esther we look leadership by influence. Leadership by influence. I think this is one of the greatest powers a woman has. Now many people say Deborah was a leader. She was a judge in Israel but she was an exception rather than a rule. And it is true. I don't know any other, you know, major leader um, during the, the Bible times. I don't know any other woman who rose up to this level. I know there's so many, so many prophets, um, you know, who were women, like the daughters of Philip. There's so many prophets who were women in Acts of, of the Apostles. But when it came to, you know, a position of authority, like a judge, I don't remember any other leader other than Deborah. So Deborah was an exception. And that is true. I accept that. Um, but most of us, 
will be leaders like Esther. Leadership by influence. Leadership by influence. Most of us will fall into this category where we are not, you know, in, in positions of authority, so to speak, but we are in positions where we can influence authority. And it's very, very important. We need to be careful of this. It's very important that we do this in the right way. We do this with God's leading. We do this with the right motives. We do this with the right attitude. We do it, you know, in the right way because there is a way it can go wrong and it would become manipulation. And we don't want to find ourselves there. So leadership by influence. Let us read Esther and we're going to read chapter four. We're going to read Esther chapter four. And it says, when Mordecai learned of all that has been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. And he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict of the order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing, many lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's eunuchs and female attendants came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hattak, one of the king's eunuchs, assigned to attend to her and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hattak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which has been published in Susa, to show to Esther and to explain it to her. And he told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence, to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Hattak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner courts, Without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death, unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go up to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance, for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your family's your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to this for to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai: Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. We would read chapter five, just the first few verses. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. 
The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out, held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half of the kingdom, it will be given to you. If it pleases the king, replied Esther, let the king, together with Haman, come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. Amen. So beautiful passage. And, you know, this was a time where something needed to be done. Something had to give. Something needed to be done. And Mordecai sent word to Esther. Well, Esther first was the one who found, who had. Mordecai was weeping and wailing. I wanted to find out exactly what was going on. And when he explained this to her, she said, see, anybody who approaches the king's court, if he doesn't call them, is put to death. Again, knowing your limitations. This is so important in leadership. It is, it's almost like accountability. It is so important. You have to know what the boundaries are. Because if you go into leadership or you're in a role and you don't have clear cut on, you don't have a clear cut of understanding of what you are able to do and what you are not able to do, you are bound to make mistakes and you are bound to get it wrong. So she knew exactly what her boundaries were and she was able to express it very well. You know, Paul Passaway talks to me about Eve, you know. Eve was a woman who didn't exactly know. She didn't exactly know what her role was. She didn't exactly know what God has said. She didn't, maybe she didn't understand what Adam told her when Adam gave her the instruction, you know, she didn't exactly know what her boundaries were. And that was why she got into trouble. So number one, again, know your boundaries, know your boundaries. Two is knowing the source of your power knowing the source of her power and what I mean I, I would say is she knew yes the king was all powerful yes he had the power to put me to death but I have a higher power I have access to a higher power and she knew exactly what to do once Mordecai went back to her and said see you think you will escape you don't want to do anything you think you will escape because you are in the palace you'll be surprised you will be surprised God is able to deliver us anyhow. It's you that will have problems. And who knows? Who knows? Whether this was the plan. Whether God put you there for a reason. Wherever we are, in you know, whatever position we find ourselves, always know, have it at the back of your mind. God has brought me here for a reason. I am in this house for a reason. I am in this position for a reason. I am in this place for a reason. I'm in this office for a reason. There is a reason why God has brought me here. So it is your duty to find out exactly what it is and to begin to fulfill it. And that was what Mordecai opened her eyes to. You are there for a reason. And once 
she came to that realization. Once she was able to remind her, she just, she caught it immediately. She didn't argue again. She knew what to do. Connect with your higher power. She knew what to do. She said, no problem. Fast, three days. No water, no food, nothing. I will fast for three days. And then I will go. And then I will go. So it's so important, so important. You have to be in tune. And we've talked about this in January. We've talked about it in February. You cannot neglect your place, the place of prayer, the place of fasting, the place of consecrating yourself unto God, the place of hearing from God. You cannot neglect it. It is, I mean, if there's any way it is important, it is in, you're in a leadership position where the lives of other people are in your hands, where the destiny of other people are in your hands, when you are able to influence what happens to the bigger picture. It is so important. Do not take it lightly. Always know the source and be able to access the source. Amen. Amen. Now, the third thing, the third thing is knowing how to utilize your soft skills. And we're going to talk about soft skills a little bit more when we talk about femininity, you know, this month. But knowing how to utilize your soft skills. Now, this is the power of influence. This is your superpower as a woman. This is your superpower. Where are your soft skills? Your femininity, you know. You know, those things that make you a woman. See how she went. She didn't go there and say, hmm, I have come to tell you that there is a problem. There is a problem. Haman is trying to kill us. I am a Jew. You know, she, 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 she didn't do that. She didn't come down there and start crying. Ha, oh, we're finished. You know, she knew exactly what to do. She said, oh. You know, because when she came, you know, God had already given her the grace and the favor and um, the king had stretched out the scepter. The, the Bible says that he was pleased with her. I don't know how she was looking, you know, but he was pleased with her. And um, he stretched out the scepter to her and he said, what is it? I don't know if she had a question on her face, you know. So those are the soft skills. They're not, some of them are just intangible, you know. I don't know if she had a question on her face. I don't know if she had a scroll on her face. I don't know if she smiled. But he knew there was something. He knew she came for a reason. He said, what is it? What is it? I'll do anything for you. I can give you half of the kingdom. What is it? You know, and she didn't say, okay, since you can give me anything, let me now ask you. No, so what did she say? She said, ah, if it will please the king, if you can come with him and to my, uh, we're going to make a nice dinner for you, please. You know, which man will not say yes? You know, think. And we remember, this is a powerful authority. This is a man who was in charge of an empire. It wasn't just a country, an empire. You know, so she knew exactly what to do. You have to know how to utilize your soft skills, your kindness, your soft voice, you know, the feminine disposition. Now, not to manipulate, I would emphasize again, not to manipulate. But if you're in a place of leadership and you want to get things done, we like it, you know, it is a fact. People will respond, especially as a woman, they will respond 
to soft skills quicker than they will respond to an, an authoritative voice, to, to masculine energy, to you trying to lord things over, you know. Your superpower, say again, are your soft skills. And when they went for the first one, they gave, she, she, gave, she fed them well. She, you know, she, it was a banquet. And Bible says, you know, as you read that place, what they said, while they were drinking wine, you know, so in a jolly mood, while they were drinking wine, she went, she just slipped in again. You know, if it would please the king, if you come again tomorrow, you know. And they said, oh yeah, why not? You know? So these, you know, you have to know, and this is why, you know, many of us as women, we get it wrong, even communicating with our husbands, because our husbands are men of authority. And most men, if not all men, will, you know, do not do well with confrontation, do not do well with, with um, challenging them and, and being up in their face, but they will respond to soft skills. They will respond to knowing how to do things at the right time, make a nice meal, put a nice music, you know, serenade them and, you know, and then you can now chip in, oh, this is what I would like you to do. This is the way out, you know, it will be, the man will have to be of a different breed for him not to be able, not to respond to, to, to this. So it, this is, again, leadership by influence. And even if you're in a position of authority, you want to get people, on, so as a woman, and you are um, over maybe men, you may need to utilize soft skills as well for them to, to, to respond favorably to you. Amen. I think this is, we'll talk about it a little bit more when we, you know, in the weeks to come. And then the last thing I would like to say was, at the end of the day, Esther was still able to speak truth to power. We have to be people who are able to speak up when there is a problem. How we go about it might be different, but at the end of the day, we have to be able to speak the truth to power. You know, for many of us as our husbands or our bosses, we just have to know how to go about it, but we shouldn't be people who sit on our oars and people are destroyed under us. We shouldn't be people who sit on our oars and things just go bad and we're like, oh, it doesn't concern me where you are a leader, where you are responsible. Don't let things go bad where you're there. We know a woman who rose up a few years ago and things were going wrong in, in, the, in our country, in Nigeria. Things were going wrong. Things were being hidden. Things were being manipulated, you know? And she was one of the leaders at that time. At a point, she got up and said, no, I am not going to condone this. This is not what I stand for. And she came out and she spoke. And that was when things had to be opened and had to be redone immediately. So it's very, very important that we, when we are in leadership positions, when we are in any positions, we're in, we're in our homes, we should be able to tell the truth. I tell my husband this all the time. You know, I, I tell him, I would always tell you the truth. I would always tell you if something is you know, I think this is not right. This is, not, I would, I, you know, I wouldn't say, oh, you know, let's see how it goes. You know, how you do it is important, but you should be able to speak the truth because it will help. Now, when the king was giving out this thing, you know, Hema sort of, you know, manipulated him and he didn't know exactly what he was, he was doing. Haman had an agenda, but he took Esther to be able to reverse it. 
So this 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 is very important. Um, we would be continuing in in our rent series next week. I'm trusting God that He has spoken to you, and that that going forward, especially for those of us who will be in leadership positions in the future, that we will remember these things and we can go back and look at them. Let us pray.